Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. All right, everyone, please welcome our next guest onto the podcast. This forward currently plays for the Camelots Blazers and was most recently drafted in the second round by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Please welcome to the show, Fraser Minton. How are you doing today, man? Where are you calling us from? I'm great. Thanks, guys. Um, thanks for having me on here. I'm from calling you from Vancouver today. I just got home. Uh, I came back from a couple weeks of training in Toronto, and I'm home for a day, packing up, and then going to Kamloops for Kamloops training camp busy busy that's for sure uh what was the Leafs camp like for you it was good uh development camp there happened uh we had a week off after the draft and then went there and um it was good it was very uh high intensity level lots of really good players were there um they had a lot of really good staff with lots of knowledge and um I think everyone was able to take away a couple things and add it to you know their their game themselves so I think that's um was a good good learning experience for me and good to get my first experience sort of in that with that that team yeah for sure was there anything specific they asked you to work on heading into this season yeah there was there's lots of things um big thing for them was like being able to be aware of what you need to work on and continue to like evaluate yourself throughout the year and and make sure that you're progressing um for myself that's a big part of that is currently my skating I'm working on a lot um got pretty good power and strength but I'm not the most efficient skater I think there's lots of room for growth there and so do they so working on on the technique side of it um fundamentals understanding body positioning um stuff like that that you don't always think about when you're just out there playing but um if you want to be able to skate with the top guys in the world, you got to incorporate into your game. So big part of what I was putting emphasis on was skating and then uh, shooting as well, working on my shot, adding some deception and variety to my release, being able to pull it, change the angle, adjust my feet as well. So uh, skating and shooting are, are a couple of big things for myself. Nice. So let's talk about the draft. I, I know you. I know you were there. Um, but was there any indication that the Toronto Maple Leafs was going were going to pick you in the second round there so early? Um, I mean, was there any surprise that they were they picked you? Um, for myself, I wasn't too surprised. I had a, a lot of good talks with the Leafs. Um, they they expressed significant interest right away since the end of my season. Ended up um, visiting with them and doing lots of interviews with them. So. Um, I had good good feeling about them, and when they're on the clock, uh, I wasn't too surprised that that they picked me. Nice. 
It, it's funny because when it got put out on Twitter that the Leafs were looking at uh, selecting a guy in the second round who's a first round talent. I texted my buddy and I said, it's Fraser Minton. And he goes, are you sure? And I said, I, I'm pretty sure. And then it happened. I said, I'm, I'm right. So I, that's, <laughs> that's hilarious. Funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, well, I mean, so what was it like meeting Kyle Dubas and meeting Brendan Shanahan? If you got to meet Shanahan and uh, talk to those guys. Yeah, that was really cool. Like through the, the whole interview process, not just with the Leafs, but all the teams in the league, it was like, you go from sort of like TV personalities and like Hall of Famers, like at each interview, right? Like you see these yeah. guys that are on like Sportsnet panels or that are like mm. GMs that you see on TV all the time or like former players. So there's lots of like legends that you meet. So the whole thing's kind of surreal and it's crazy because like they're all asking you about you. Like you just want to <laughs> talk to them and you know all about yeah. them and they're trying to figure out you. So that's kind of wild and so like yeah Dubas and Shannon is no exception for sure like with uh, the media in Toronto Dubas is you see Dubas's face all over the place and <laughs> mm-hmm. so knew who he was for sure and um yeah same with Shanahan obviously knew more about him as a player than his role with teams and stuff but those guys just um it's cool to meet them too because they're just such good down-to-earth smart mm-hmm. people that just just love hockey so it's um it's uh, very cool, and I think I'm very lucky to be able to meet these people. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's the one thing about being involved in hockey media on my side is, like, um, getting to meet people is just, like, so surreal, like you say. Like, you talk to certain individuals, and you're like, hey, I used to watch you growing up. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's no, it's crazy for sure. So, uh, speaking of the draft and speaking of draft interviews, was there any weird questions you were asked by any GMs or teams? Honestly, no. Like I had a, I didn't have anybody really grill me or anything too hard happened for me personally. I missed the combine, and I think um, lots of that stuff kind of comes out from there. It usually seems like with teams doing so many interviews in a day, maybe scouts get a little bored and try to mix things up. But <laughs> yeah, um, for me personally, no, I didn't have any any weird questions or anything too hard at all. It's mostly just about talking about your game and talking about you as a person. No, that's fair. Um, let's transition into this past season. Uh, you obviously had, you had a great season and what could be described as your first official season, considering you only played, you know, 20 games the year before, uh, what was it like for you to get a full 67 game rep in? And, uh, do you feel like you accomplished what you wanted to? Yeah, I I was really happy to have that experience this year. Um, COVID was, I think it gave a bit of a false impression of what the Western hockey league was like. Um, the bubble hockey was, a little less intense, I think, than, than this season was. So it was a bit of an eye-opener at the start of the season that, like, it was going to be a little harder. And with the travel and everything, too, that um, was a, a first for me. So um, it was really good to learn through that and understand that that's part of it and that you have to learn how to manage that and be able to still perform. So um, the travel was a big one. That was kind of a, a first. And also the competition of playing playing more teams and getting like down to the states we didn't even get to go out east but this adding those five states teams made for like a lot of variety and increase in the intensity in the games at points so i really enjoyed getting to play the full full 67 and um hopefully be able to stay healthy this year and get another shot at all the games nice um, well, you played with Logan Stankoven, who had a heck of a World Juniors this past, um, you know, last week. 
Uh, what was it like playing with him and, uh, you know, watching his elite uh, talent on display every night? I mean, um, he's a pretty amazing player. Yeah, and, and Kamloops were really lucky. I think that's why there's a, a ton of talent always coming out of there. Is, you know, like our, our practices are so good because you get to compete against such good players like Stanks and, and lots of other guys like every day. And um, it, it's awesome to get a practice against them and then also get a play with them on the ice. Like you see how for Stanks, like he's just super competitive, like hates, hates losing and hates having bad games more than anyone. So... Um, I think it's just his drive to be like perfect all the time that allows him to to be so mm -hmm. successful. And obviously you see all the skills, but that's a bit about him that I think allows him to to do really well. Sure. You had a taste of playoff action this year. Um, you produced an additional 16 points and you guys had a great run. Uh, what did you guys learn in that series against Seattle and overall in the playoffs to prepare for this year? Yeah, playoffs was awesome. It was like... You talk, I talked about like regular season this year being a step up from what I got to experience at 16. And then playoffs was even another step. Everyone just, the, all the, the play got faster. The games got more intense, more physical and more competitive. So I really enjoyed that. I think that's what everyone plays for is those high stakes games. So um, I love that. And I think our team did too. I think we did a really good job. And from the Seattle series, I think they were a great team. Like we were quite evenly matched with them. I don't think they were better in any way. I think if anything, our, we had a bit of an edge with having the goalie that we did this season too. And mm. um, so I think that one stung a little, especially with us being up three, two, we felt that we like in reflecting a bit as a team, we felt that like we should have been able to, to find a way to close that series out. Um, so I think just understanding how, how hard it is and, being able to manage the highs and lows a little better, uh, playing like United a little more this season. Like at, at points, it was hard for guys who had been able to produce all the time, and now you're maybe ex ex like ex accepting a lesser role and being relied upon more as a defensive player or something like that. And so, I think just embracing embracing your role on the team and being able to, to stay level headed is something that we'll try to be better at coming this season. Oh, that's awesome. I, I really like that. Um, so you guys are Memorial Cup hosts this year. We've talked to Logan a little bit about that. I'm from Kamloops as well. So, I mean, I'm very excited for what's about to happen here. Uh, what does that mean to you, though, as a player uh, playing on the Blazers? And even as a Vancouver product, I'm sure you recall the Giants going all the way back in the mid-2000s, even though you might have been young. Um, but, you know, what are you guys, are you guys excited for the Memorial Cup, obviously? Yeah, it's huge. Like it's a opportunity of a lifetime, really. Um, not one of sixty something teams gets that chance. So um for it to be while well, I'm here is something I'm not gonna take for granted. I think it's amazing and I think everyone's shares that mindset. Um I haven't ever been like I would have been too young for this stuff in Vancouver still, but I've I've watched it all on YouTube and yeah, seen the excitement and watch some of the games from this year on TV and it looks just awesome. Like there's just such a good, such good hockey and such good atmosphere and such a story trophy and so hard to win. So I think getting a chance to knowing you're going to have a chance to get your name on that and like win that with your team is something that we're very excited about. That's awesome. So moving into world juniors talk at 2023, I mean, 2022, version just ended and now we're getting to 2023 really really quick uh you were invited to the world juniors summer development camp 
Um, what would it mean to actually represent Canada and be named to that team and what is probably the biggest hockey tournament in junior hockey? Yeah, that'd be huge. Obviously, that's a huge goal of mine is making that team at some point. Um, got a couple of years left of eligibility, and obviously, if I can make it this year, that'd be amazing. I'm going to do do everything I can to have a strong start to my season here and get invited to give it another shot at the December group there. Um, so yeah, that would, that'd be amazing. And obviously there'll be like Stanks will be back there. And, um, one of my good friends, Connor Bedard will be on the team again. So if I was able to, to play for the country with some of my good friends, that'd be awesome. We were going to ask you about Bedard a little <laughs> bit later. So let's ask you about him now. Um, we, yeah, I've seen you post on social media about being friends with him and stuff. What's it been like watching him develop into the player he has been? And even as a younger kid, like, did you know he was going to be this superstar? Yeah, um, it wasn't hard to tell. Like his his shot was just better than everyone's. Like since he was, he, he never had trouble scoring. He just pick apart goalies from the age of ten. I don't know. I I started playing against him when he was twelve. Probably I would have been thirteen, and he was a peewee kid. And I was playing Bantam Double A, and his peewee like he should have been in peewee, but he was playing Bantam, and he was the best player by far. Um, and then we were teammates the year after that, and then the year after that as well. And his, like, you could tell he's something special, just how hard he works, how passionate he is. Um, it's just, like, hates hates to lose, like, loves to score, and more than anyone have both of those, and um, nobody can beat him. He's super competitive. So I, I'm not too surprised by all the success he's had, and I think he'll continue it without any, uh, any question. <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely I mean he's a generational talent for sure um what do you do outside of hockey outside of hockey um I, I, do, I like to do a lot of things I don't usually take the game like super seriously I like to think of it as as a game so yeah uh, it's not to say I don't I don't work hard and stuff but I like to diversify away from the rink I do watch a lot of hockey in my spare time I love watching the Canucks growing up and um, so I uh, watch a lot of NHL games. Um, I also like music. I've got a piano here at, at home and like to play that just to kind of, I don't know, take my mind off things and yeah. enjoy it. It's a good distraction. It's like, it's like hockey and just playing and nothing else really matters. So I, I like that. Um, I also I read a lot, I like to read books in my spare time. Uh, hockey books are really cool, but I don't know, just all sorts of fiction nonfiction, whatever I like books a lot and then in Vancouver I like to get out a lot with the mountains and the ocean just go for a hike or go swimming and stuff like that so relatively normal activities <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah. uh yeah like, well, who's your favorite music artist um I like well my like I like to play the piano but I'm not really into <laughs> listening to it I'm, I'm more of a yeah, country guy. I, like, yeah. I like listening to the country music um I've like a couple guys on my team play the guitar and I've started trying a little bit. It's pretty hard, but try to play some, some country songs there. I like listening to like some Chris Stapleton. Oh, um, he's good. Yeah. He's yeah, good. Got some good ones. Um, Morgan Wall and all the sort of the, the newer country singers as well. Yeah. Zach Bryan. Those, yeah. Those guys. Bryan. Yeah. They're, they're, those guys are all good. Yeah. Uh, who do you model your game after? I mean, you said you're a Canucks fan, but uh, is there somebody on the Canucks you model your game after? Or who is who do you model your game after? I don't think there's really, like, one guy I love watching and saying I'm going to be that guy. But 
I like taking things from everyone. I, I like watching like Horvat and Miller on the Canucks, like guys that play through the middle really well, um, compete on on both sides of the puck well. Uh, I liked watching Anthony Sorelli a lot in the playoffs mm-hmm. this year. I thought he did a great job of providing value for his team kind of wherever he was asked to. And I, I really respect players that are able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so guys like that, guys that are two-way and reliable, responsible players. Nice. So if you could play on a line uh, with any two current NHLers, who would they be and why? Oh, <laughs> I'd, oh that's a tough one. <laughs> I... I'd probably pick like a guy who can put the puck in the net, no problem. I'd probably pick an Austin Matthews, probably. Yeah. And then other than him, probably like a <laughs> it'd be cool to play with Miller just being a Canucks fan. So I'd I'd mm. say him. Nice. I like that. That's a good lineup though, yeah. honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would work out that would work out well. Yeah. Um so you talked about how you what you like to do in Vancouver. Uh what's your favorite thing about Camels? Like what do you you like to go hiking up here and stuff? I mean, there's handful of things you can do around Kamloops yeah I like Kamloops a lot actually I, I like the smaller town feel to an extent growing up in like the heart of Vancouver here it's yeah. a little uh it's it's a good contrast to have um I like yeah we, we're at the rink quite a bit and then when it's freezing outside there's not a ton you can do outside but um like right now we we go to the beach like a decent amount down there by the river um play a lot of golf right now so um, probably those two things prior go go throw the baseball around sometimes and then yeah go for some hikes so being outside playing sports generally with, with the guys nice I like that yeah. um, one more question for you you've been awesome man thank you so much for joining us again uh, if you could have a walk-up song for like a shootout what song would you pick oh <laughs> no probably something funny I don't know I'd pick a rap song for sure something like get the guys going yep um but it would also be like i don't know it has to be something kind of funny maybe i don't know maybe like <laughs> that's putting me on the spot it's a loaded question i know yeah i'll go with um both plug walk that's a good one okay my rich the kid yeah okay yeah. that's good that, that that would be good i like yeah, that i think that'd be funny yeah Alrighty, man. Uh, thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, good luck this season. I'm sure I'll see you around the rink and at games this year. Um, and uh, thank you again for joining us. Uh, take care, buddy. Yeah, of course. Thanks, guys. Nice to talk to you. How's it going, everyone? Welcome in to season two of Western Centric. I am your host, Colton Davies, and the other on the other side of the screen for me is my co-host, Matthew Zader. Matthew, how are you doing today? Are you excited for season two? Oh, super excited. A uh, really fun season one, uh, talking WHL hockey with you, uh, Colton, and excited for another season of this. I mean, uh, we're going to have obviously more interviews with different uh, players and uh, that's going to be exciting as we get into the exciting 2023 draft coming up, which is amazing to talk about. There's lots of WHL players in that. Um, so, yeah, excited to get going on season two. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. We just want to extend a thank you again to everybody who uh, listened in season one. Uh, I know we had a bit of an abrupt end there, but uh, with the off season and both mine and Matthew's work kind of taking, um, you know, a lot of our time uh, with writing, uh, we just felt it was kind of best to just kind of push it off for a bit. And uh, I mean, rightfully so. Um, we've got a lot to talk about, and I think it, it's going to be a great episode. Um, we're going to talk right away about the World Juniors, but first, I mean, Trevor Zegers was just named, and Sarah Nurse were, were just named the cover athletes for NHL 23. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Uh, what, what do you think about that? Oh, I, I loved seeing that this morning. I, you know, after a couple of years of Austin Matthews, nothing against him as a player, uh, he, you know, he... There's enough. Enough is enough. Like, come on. Um, let's get some new people on the cover. Uh, probably the best, um, especially, you know, with women's hockey getting bigger here. And, and that's great um, to see Sarah Nurse on the cover. And um, of course, Trevor Zegers is like perfect choice of how entertaining he is um, yeah. and how his personality and it's perfect for for the NHL franchise. Uh, EA Sports and hopefully they can, you know, work out a, every year. Everyone kind of complains about the game and um, but it's great to see uh, two athletes on the front that's well deserved of being on the on the cover and um, hopefully there's no you know they talk about that cover curse or whatever it is Um, Austin Matthews didn't suffer from it last year he had a heck of a season so (laughs) broke a bunch of records so I I don't think I think that's a kind of a thing of the past but um, yeah excited to see that uh, this morning on on Twitter there uh, there so um, I love it. Uh, me too. I think like you look at both of those uh, players and not even just players, but individuals off the ice and how impactful they are. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with, you know, Zegris has this swagger to him, the style that not all hockey players have, but he likes to, you know, kind of flaunt his, um, you know, designer clothes, his jewelry. Yeah, right. He, he shows himself off, which is great because you don't see it. You see it in the NBA. You see it in the NFL, but you don't see it in hockey. Hockey's, you know, has always been this classy type gentleman kind of sport, I guess you could kind of say mm-hmm. in that sense. But it's nice to see people come out of their shell. And especially since, you know, the pandemic um, and during the bubbles, when players kind of got to get rid of the suits, it was nice to see players come in wearing, you know, basketball clothes or wear sweatpants, whatever they heck they wanted to do. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Zegris is, kind of changes the game in that sense and then on the ice i mean he's just an uh, a freak of nature on, out there <laughs> i mean what he can do with the puck and his puck skills and just the accuracy that he has and hand-eye coordination is just unfathomable um i think it's great sarah nurse provides that you know that women's hockey aspect for them too she brings a lot to the game obviously um and and you know the women's world championship gets underway tomorrow so that's another big aspect obviously because she's going to be participating so i think it's a really good cover because it's a good it works out for like marketing for ea Mm. because it targets both um you know it targets the younger generation it targets the middle generation but it targets women as well and i think it's going to bring a lot of people together Uh, i'm excited to see what they can do with that yeah, hopefully the game is good as well. I that, mean, that's, that's pretty much what it comes <laughs> down to. Um, you know what? I, and this is just an aside, but like we're not a, a video game, uh, video game podcast. But um, you know, the one thing I think EA Sports needs is, uh, or EA in general, need a, comp- a competitor 
Um, yeah. They need 2K Sports or someone to kind of release another hockey game because yeah. until that happens, I don't think they're going to um, really change a lot to their game because they're like, well, you know, we're the only option out there. Um, and that's what's bad about a monopoly. Yep. They need some other uh, game to kind of like push them. And I think that's when when 2K Sports was at their height. Um, their NHL was probably really good. It was really good too, because they needed to keep up. So um, like I said, it's not a video game podcast, but that's just always been my thought as uh, for the game. Right. So, but yep. a great cover and hopefully the game kind of uh, gets to that level as well. Yeah. I agree with you hundred percent on that, not to continue on the video game topic, but I do agree with that. Like they, they need that type of competitiveness. You look at what FIFA has done where they've revoked EA from having the, like the sole yeah. rights. And I think the NHL should maybe look into doing that as well, just to give it, it, it helps your game. Honestly, like look how many people play the game of like FIFA or whatever they call it now. Yeah. But you know, look how many people play that. It's, it's crazy. The amount of numbers that they get. Um, but yeah, anyways, moving on um, <laughs> the world juniors. Okay. So, I mean, I want to do a bit of a recap of the WHL players who attended, not every WHL player who attended just handful of players. I mean, we had, Czechia had a couple of guys. I think they had three or four guys from the WHL, which included the goaltender, Thomas Sachanik, who plays for Tri-City, uh, Michael Gut, who plays for the Everett Silvertips, Stanislav Svozil, who plays for the Regina Pats. Um, Slovakia had a couple with Jakob Demick, who played for the Edmonton Oil Kings, and William Kometch, who played for Prince George Cougars. Latvia had one with Bogdan Tadas, who plays for the Medicine Hat Tigers. And then, of course, your boy, Fabian Lizell, yes. played for Sweden. Um, something I did find out, which was kind of cool, uh, Finnish defenseman Casper Patillo, uh, who played with Swift Current in Everett during 2019-20, yeah. uh, was actually named the tournament's top defenseman. Yeah, oh, he, I loved his game. Patillo had a really good tournament, and for a guy that's not first-round pick or anything like that, um, mm-hmm. Carolina's got a good good defenseman there. Or Florida, he, well, Florida, not Carolina. Good, I don't know I was, why I, I thought say Carolina. Florida. Florida. Yeah, yeah, he plays for Florida. Or will play for Florida. Will play for but, Florida. Uh, yeah, I, I I really liked his game. I think he well deserved being the top defenseman. Oh, for sure. I mean, outside of like Olin Zellweger, like I mean, the Canadian bias there. I think yeah, obviously he was. I mean, he Patillo was just uh, remarkable out there. Um, so do we just want to jump right into that gold medal game talk? Because holy <laughs> cow. Yes. Uh, I unfortunately didn't get as we were talking about. I was at uh, one of my best friends' uh, bachelor parties. So we were out and about doing stuff. I didn't unfortunately get to watch the game, um, but saw the highlights, uh, talked to Stan Coven, talked to a few people. Holy cow. What a game. But let's just hear your insight first, Matthew. <laughs> oh, I like watching that game. It's, it was probably the most exciting game since I'd say like maybe 2015 um, that game there, because yeah. like for the ups and downs, it was two nothing going into the third period. And uh, you know, Finland, the way they play is just, they don't give up. And they're one of those like plucky work, you know, they work hard. They don't give, yeah, they don't give up on anything. And two, nothing is not an insurmountable lead as, as you saw, uh, you know, Finland ties it up. And then uh, that overtime, I mean, my gosh, you know, as much as that, that save that Mason McTavish made, uh, I was going to go, well, it was already gone down in history as one of the best moments in world juniors. I, you know, it, it was like they asked him after, you know, what would you do at that time? And he's like, well, I don't know. I was just swinging my stick. <laughs> so hopefully that he would hit the puck, right? Yeah. Uh, he did. It smacked it right down on the goal line and then cleared it away. And 
it was directly going in. There was no doubt that was going to go in. Um, like it wasn't on the side of that. It was going straight down. No, it was middle. going straight in. And, yeah. and uh, you know, Niamela, Topi Niamela probably was, was like, had his, you know, his arms probably halfway in the air or something. Yep. And, and, oh, no. And McTavish goes and knocks it down. But, yeah. And then, and then of course, right after that, Ken Johnson scores that uh, amazing goal. Uh, to win the game after a great save by, uh, you know, by the Finnish goaltender Yakula. So, I mean, it, it was just an amazing game to watch and, uh, you know, full, full marks to Canada. I mean, they did lose the lead in the third period and it could have happened where, you know, if he didn't hit the puck there it would have been the other way. And we're talking about Canada losing the gold medal because it couldn't score on the power play, but didn't happen. McTavish goes and scores the goal and, uh, you know, it was just an amazing game to watch. Yeah. I mean, from the highlights that I saw and even being at like the, the bar that we were at and like hearing all the people, cause we were outside, but hearing all the people like freaking out inside was pretty, <laughs> pretty crazy. I mean, I knew something happened and then my phone started blowing up and I was like, oh, okay, okay. That's cool. Um, but you're right. Like, I mean, what McTavish was able to do there, I mean, like he didn't know what he was doing. I mean, he no. says this in that thing, but like, that's like that's a true warrior really when you think about it he's doing he's putting his body on the line doing whatever it takes to you know to to keep the game going and to to help his team win uh there's not many players who would have that thought process despite him saying he didn't know what he was doing but to get in front of the net there yeah yeah not just you know if fighting you know, for the ice there yeah a lot of players might have gone in front of Grant or yeah, right? gone to the <laughs> side for whatever reason he went to the front and wow um that changed the entire game obviously because then logan stankoven goes down the side and he yeah. does a little nifty move and hangs onto the puck gives it to ken johnson and there's your gold medal game yeah um do you think that that goal and that whole, not the goal, the sequence that led up to the goal is better than the Jordan Eberle goal. Uh, that's a tough one because the Jordan Eberle one was, uh, from what I remember, uh, it was a blocked shot. Yeah. Um, and he grabbed it, it from and the then guy. And toe dragged it. Yeah, toe dragged it around him and then scored the goal. Uh, I think the sequence in general for this one's a lot crazier because the fact that mm. the previous, you know, almost the game's over on the other side. Yeah. And then it switches completely to Canada. Yeah. I think that's a different, although the Everly goal was a tying goal um, when it looked like Canada was going to lose the gold medal. That's true. Right. He did tie it. Yeah. If he didn't, what if he wouldn't have scored that goal, that would also have been uh game over too. So, and it was like, what in the last like 10, 15 seconds of the game too. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was, you know, they're pretty close in comparison, but I, I kind of give the edge to this because there was more players involved in it. I think that's, that's what my thought is. I, I agree. I, I agree with that for sure. Um, I think like, it, it's just so crazy. Like watching the replays of him batting that puck down and like it just vertically landing on the yeah. line. is <laughs> Oh my God. I, I It's crazy. I mean, what a what a game um what a tournament honestly it was really nice to i know attendance was low at the start it seemed um uh, maybe even during the gold medal game i don't know if it was exactly a packed house it was but, from what i remember it was like 14 between 14 and 15,000 were in the building which 
which is not horrible. I think right. I think the arena takes about eighteen ish thousand. So okay, um, just not you know that's not it's pretty close to full capacity as much yeah. as you know as as most of the rest of the games were like half to you know or none. So I think um, when you look at it though, like there was a lot really played into why. I think like at the beginning there wasn't like a big attendance record there because you know some of the games had like two thousand people, three thousand people. But yeah. yeah, it's like it's the middle of summer, right? People are off doing weddings, people are off having family vacations, they're working lots, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. There's just a lot that played into it. Inflation could in plays into it, right? Yeah. Lots of people are dealing with that. Yeah, um, they're talking about so, the ticket prices being too high yeah. and stuff like that well, too. So I heard for gold medal game ticket prices were like over two hundred dollars a ticket. I was like, oh my god, that's insane! Yeah, like people aren't going to pay that. Um, but yeah, I mean, congratulations to Team Canada. Uh, congratulations to the ten uh, WHL players that were on the team. Um, I mean, honestly, I think out of like bias aside, I think Stan Coben probably had the best tournament. Yeah, well, Can- towards Canadian players. Especially when Ridley Gregg went down, um, yes. those few games after that, he he stepped up and became probably the best their best forward, uh, apart from Mason McTavish, obviously. But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, e- even so, I think Stankoven was playing a bit better than than McTavish than the last couple games because his line was like dangerous were, every time they're on oh, the yeah. ice. So they were um, just buzzing yeah. out there. I mean, ten points in seven games for him. Um, he's obviously well we're going to talk a little bit later about uh, the world juniors preview for next year um, but he or for I guess not next year but this winter but I mean St. Coven's arguably going to be the number one center if it's not Connor Bedard on this team um, yeah I mean, do you think he could be named captain I there's someone else I well, McTavish won't I, be no, there there's something I really think might actually happen I was I messaged a buddy about that um, I was talking about how he's going to be like heavily relied upon. And then I said, watch him be named captain as well. So uh, I, I think, I think he will be, I don't know why I just, he, he's such a leader here in Kamloops and, yeah. you know, uh, our listeners know um, from talking with him that he's such a humble guy and just, uh, he, he really talks like a true captain and uh, he's always talking about other players and not himself. So I think, you know, he's got that mentality where he can really um, change a locker room, right? And he yeah. can keep keep the locker room, you know, level-headed, keep everybody sane, you know, let's go out and let's just play hard. And, yeah, I, I think if he gets named captain, that would be um, remarkable. I would be ecstatic for him, honestly. Um, now that we've spoken it into existence, let's, let's, <laughs> let's hope the Western-centric uh, luck comes into effect here. Yes. For sure. What did you think about Connor Bedard's tournament? Because um, I saw a couple people say that they weren't impressed, and I was kind of um, weirded out by that. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, come on. Like, you know, Bedard's had, he's also 17. Um, yeah. I, I actually thought he had a heck of a tournament. Um, you know, his, his shots just off the charts. Like, it's it could be scoring 20 30 we could be scoring 30 goals in the nhl right now like oh absolutely like on any nhl goaltender probably the best goaltender in the league who is um igor shesterkin arguably um yeah. he'd probably score on him 
So I, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. you know, he had some time where he looked like he was frustrated, um, you know, offensively, but that's just how it goes, especially when you're, you know, you're playing in a league that you dominate most of the time and most of those moves work. Uh, you're going against teams that may be trying to shut you down uh, and, you know, that have a bit better players maybe on it. And he gets frustrated where he can't, you know, toe drag around a guy that he normally probably would. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's just going to come with the territory. He'll learn that. Um, I was surprised to see the amount of physicality that he had um, throughout the tournament. Like he, he's a physical uh, guy and he's he smaller, is. right? So it, I don't know. Well, I have no okay. worries about him. I, I, I feel he had a really strong tournament at the age he is. And you're yep. going to see a whole different type of Bedard at, at this next one. Because, oh, absolutely. You know, physically, he'll be a bit, even though it's only a few months. I mean, that can still do a lot physically. And he's going to take what he kind of learned from this tournament. And uh, I foresee a pretty big tournament coming up in 2023 because uh, he's going to be number one overall. There's no doubt in my mind that's going to happen. And I actually was really impressed with his tournament, despite, you know, his frustrations and a bit, a bit of, you know, problems in the defensive zone. But his whole line had that. Um, and that's something you learn, uh, you know, at 17 years old, usually 17 year olds do not dominate tournaments. I mean, Connor, Connor McDavid, I think may have been the last one that did. Um, but I don't think he was 17 when he did. So, you know, I've, I have no worries about him. I thought he had a really good tournament. I think so too. Like, I think, I think people just really like overshadow the fact that he's 17. You just don't yeah. understand that. And he like, just oh. turned 17. Like, it's not like Ooh, he's exactly. been 17 Literally, for a while. July 17th, he turned yeah. 17. So people need to just relax a little bit. No, he played a great game. Uh, what I do kind of knock, and it's not even him. I don't knock him. I'm knocking Dave Cameron, putting him down to the third line with Will Cooley. And yeah. I, like, I don't understand that. Like, I, also, I also hate, I talked about some um, prospect corner. Um, I hated that they put him in the bumper position on the power play. Like yes, horrible. Like it. He's it not not how to it do goes. that. No, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, uh, um, we we have to kind of watch what we say. Um, but what I kind of wanted to just say there was that thought process for what Dave Cameron had for putting Bedard in not only that position on the power play but sending him down to the third line made no sense. Yeah, um, I, mean, I get, I get it that, that he was trying to get him maybe you know away from from maybe some of the higher competition, which maybe that's the case, but yeah, you know, I could have been in, I guess. Yeah. But I and think Mason McTavish moving down to a checking line, quote unquote, like, yes. <laughs> yeah. That was a bit weird too. Um, there was definitely some questionable uh, lineups. That's for sure. I think the one thing that you can take into um, this coming year's world juniors, which we may as well just do our world juniors preview now that we're on the topic. Yeah. Um, he, he's going to be, I mean, Bedard's going to be, he the guy like i mean all eyes are going to be on him if somehow some way russia is allowed back in then you know having mitchkov there is going to be phenomenal and i kind of hope it happens but i understand from a you know an obvious standpoint that it can't happen so we'll see yeah i don't think it will because no i don't think it will either the president of um of the WIHF there, one of the intermissions. And he said, no, they're not going to be, um, they're going to keep it, the band going until like they have to reassess or something like that. So okay. 
yeah, it, it, I don't think, I think the earliest, maybe next year. I don't know, but okay. uh, the, the, like they said, the, you know, the war is not over. I mean, they're still no. kind of going no. still. So no, um, I, I don't know. I'm hoping that. it's sooner rather than later because, you know, Russia is just such a talented country in hockey that it's kind of unfair that they're not able to um, participate in this because it's not the player's fault. Nope. Why they aren't there. It's kind of what I wanted to say was it's got nothing to do with these young kids. It's it's a dictator who's running the country, making these decisions. It's not the 17 year old hockey player's fault. No. So, um, But I mean, in yeah, like to think about it too, like, do you think Russia being suspended from this tournament made it a bit easier for Canada and Finland and, you know, the more predominant powerhouses? Well. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, the thing I mean, is without that doubt, they're yes, one yes. of the top four <laughs> powers in the in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, they've been in gold medal games how many times in the last like ten years? So, yeah, yeah, definitely made it a little bit easier uh, on all the teams. Like, you know, Latvia would not have been in a quarterfinal if Russia was there. I, I don't think so. As much as you know, great that it was awesome that it happened that they did. But yeah, it definitely was easier for for all the big teams uh, to get through, uh, especially with them not there. You know, you talked about Bedard being physical, and that was something I noticed as well. Was his physicality was definitely on play. You know, somebody said I saw a comment, and they were like, "Wow, he's so small out there. He's not tiny. He's five ten, one hundred and eighty pounds. Like, yeah. he's not a small kid. Like, yeah, he's under six feet. Sure, whatever." But he's not like small by any means. You know, he talked about how his favorite player earlier this year was Tyler Mott. Remember? Yeah. And he, he brings out this physicality agitator side to him during the World Juniors. And I just loved it. It just made me think of Tyler Mott. Well, yeah. And the thing is, is especially with his ability to score goals that like, you know, he's one of those guys like he can be shut down for most of the game. Yeah. But then he gets one good chance and then it's in the back of the net. So, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. He's just one of, the, he's one of those one-shot scorers. Like, he has one chance, and that's all he get, all he needs um, to, to score. So, uh, he's a, he is an amazing talent. And like I said, I have no doubts he's going to be a superstar in the NHL. I, I mean, he's really young right now. But you see that shot, like I said, can score 30 goals in the NHL right now. So, <laughs> it, absolutely, it, it's amazing, yeah. I think he's going to hundred percent score. Like I think, I think this season in the WHL, he's scoring 50. No, I, yeah. Like he's, he's repeating last year, but I think he's going to do like, like 60 goals probably. And like, yeah, like 50 something assists. Like he's 110 points plus for sure. And that's obviously with him being gone for world juniors too. Uh, He's going to just light the lamp this year. I'm very excited to, to watch him. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, they kind of get some more talent around him too, um, yeah. depending. I mean, I don't know if they're going to – we've talked about this, about him potentially maybe getting traded somewhere yeah. else. But uh, even if he does um, stay, I'm hoping that they do kind of surround him with with some more, um, and that would even make it even better. Yeah, the whole trade uh, aspect, that thing looks like it's kind of dying quickly. Yeah. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. But you never know because – I understand from a business standpoint why Regina's not trading them yet either. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. There's, there's obvious, you know, um, 
there's like there's a reason why they're not they haven't traded them is kind of what i'm trying to say that you know ticket prices um you know merchandise etc all these different things come into effect i think they're trying to really build around him um they signed alexander sizdaliev who was like there's a swedish russian player who was their import pick they signed him i know that joachim kemmel can't come over because he's signed in the league up for another season so he's not able to come over but Regina is making those moves to to bolster their roster and kind of surround themselves around around Bedard. And I know we've talked about it in the past that maybe they value Howe more than Bedard. Maybe they're going to trade Tanner Howe. Mm. You know, because okay. Connor Bedard's got one year, just this season left. So do you go all out and trade your future? Which, because you could get a pretty big, key player back if you traded Tanner Howe or you traded some key prospects. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens there, but I definitely understand why they're not trading him because, yeah, he's a big marketing piece, um, you know, going forward here, especially, and he's only one, yeah, only going to be one here one year because he'll be in the Mm -hmm. NHL next season. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So Yeah, he'll be at the, he'll be at the Mullet Arena, home of the Arizona Coyotes. (laughs) (laughs) Or Or in Chicago. Or in Chicago, which, I mean, it's probably Chicago. Let's be realistic here. The NHL is going to favor the Blackhawks 100%. Yeah, right. But Arizona is not going to be a very good team either. I mean, they, there's going to be a few teams we already know will be in that running. <laughs> Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh? Yeah. I, I made the no. joke that I made the joke to my friend. I was like, it seems like every 20 years they recycle a superstar. They go from Lemieux to Crosby. Well, look what's happening. It's been 20 years. Ah, Bedard's up next. Need someone else. <laughs> <laughs> need somebody else to fill the role. But, yeah. yeah. No, I think uh, I think it's going to be an exciting season and an exciting draft. I mean, the tank for Bedard's real. It, it definitely is. Like I think Arizona already has one. Has a yeah. tagline. I saw oh, it on yeah. Twitter the other day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny, actually. <laughs> that um, doesn't surprise me, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, who would have thought Montreal would have dropped all the way down to last beginning of last season right yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) all right let's take a look at like the 2023 world juniors that's what's coming up right that'll be 2023 yes yeah i was making sure i had the year correct um so we know that there's only i think 11 players that can uh that can return from last year's season or last year's championship i guess you should say yeah. and those 11 players are connor bedard nathan gauthier mason mctavish riley kidney brennan offman zach ostachuk joshua roy or joshua wah good lord logan sankoven ethan del mastro carson lambos nolan zellweger that's a those it's a pretty good chunk i mean they lose over half the roster which is a little unfortunate yeah but we just wrapped up another tournament um the helenka gretzky which i think finished was it a week before the World Junior started? It, it was like it was yeah, like, like beginning really, of August. Yeah, it was really close to when the World Junior started. So, with that being said, there's a lot of players that they can look at. I mean, there's good there's goalies that are available. There's, I mean, lots of players that really shined, and one goalie that really shined was scott ratzlaff who plays for the seattle thunderbirds of course he plays for the thunderbirds so when it comes down to it 
they they have a lot of pickings because I mean both Grand and Kosa aren't going to be there this year, yeah. so they won't have them. They won't have Brett Brett Brochu because he was their third string goalie from London. I don't think they'll have him either. So really, I mean, when you look at the goaltenders that were invited, um, there's Mason Bopit, Tyler Brennan, Benjamin Goodrow, and Thomas Millage. Uh, Scott Ratchlaff might get an invite. I think he will, but Tyler Brennan and Thomas Millage kind of seem to be where most people are pointing their fingers to. Yeah. I mean, what Millage has been able to do with Seattle has been incredible. So. Yeah. I still don't understand why he wasn't drafted. I still yeah. don't. <laughs> and so he's, he's eligible again for, for this coming season. Um, it's yeah. I don't understand that either. I mean, after what he's been able to do, you really would think a team would just, even in like the sixth round, just take a chance on him. Yeah, like what? What? what there's nothing. <laughs> it's no harm in it. Like, come on, give him a chance. But well, and then Tyler. I mean, the Tyler Brennan situation was a little interesting too because he was the highest rated goaltender in the draft, and then he didn't go till the fifth round. And other goalies who weren't really projected went before him. Like I know the Canucks took a goalie. That wasn't really up there because I know Quadrelli was like, what's happening here? <laughs> and like, <laughs> there was just like, I, it's just weird to like, you know, we've talked about it before and it's going to be a, another repeated topic here on season two, but goalies are just an odd developmental. They're just odd to watch and develop. Like, yeah. That's, Goal that's all are say. weird. <laughs> that, that's about it. Right. They're weird. <laughs> but when you look at it, um, I think it really does come down to Tyler Brennan and Thomas Millage. Yeah. I think those are the two probably that you're going to be looking at as well. Um, and that's a pretty good tandem. Um, yeah. They both are named to it. So um, yeah. it was, it was unfortunate not to see Kosa kind of take more of a role in this past one, but yeah, you know, Garand was really good. So. When you look at the defense, I know that um, Gannon LaRock, uh, he recently got invited as well. So I mean, shout out to him, former Western centric um, guest, of course. But when you look at the defense, sorry, my cat's going absolutely berserk for our <laughs> listeners that can hear the commotion in the background. Um, when you look at the defense though, like I'm excited, like I'm excited to watch Denton Matejchuk and Kevin Korchinski play as well juniors. Holy cow. Yeah. Like I'm excited to watch, you know, Nolan Allen, all of these guys, Owen Pickering, there, there's going to be a lot of players to choose from for this coming team. Like always. <laughs> like always, though. There's Canada always a has lot so of much talent. It's, and look at how, how much they dominated the Holinka Gretzky, too. I mean, even a few of those players get put on this team. They're going to be Yeager. really good again. Yeah. Yeah. Like Braden Yeager and Tanner Howe. Um, or sorry, not Tanner Howe, Zach Benson. Like, yeah, I Zach think, Benson. I really think Zach Benson could pry his way onto this team. Like, yeah, he, he was really good in the Lincoln Gretzky. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean, right? He's young. He's a draft eligible this year. And hey, I'll, I'll be one of the first people to maybe say it publicly, even though it's probably been publicly said before. I think he Benson's better than both Connor Geeky and Matthew Savoy. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. Yeah. It's going to be, I'm really excited to see. I know Benson didn't get invited to this year's, uh, to the at least to the summer camp, he didn't get invited. So we'll see how that, you know, plays a role. This The summer camps are always weird, though, because if you've look, ever looked at past summer camp rosters and then you've looked at the winter uh, camps, 
they're they're very different. They're different. I mean, yeah. There's always at least a dozen players, and I'm not even kidding you, ten to twelve players or goalies who are not on that winter camp. So they make their cuts right then and there. I mean, they know what they're looking for, right? Yeah, and also depends on on how they play in the beginning of the season too, which could kind of help them. Yeah. Um, in that too. So yeah, uh, we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see what uh, type of players. They, it doesn't matter who's on the team though. It's going to be a strong team. But oh, uh, abs- absolutely. Yeah. Um, as far as WHL players to kind of predict, I know this is very early for us, so I'm just going to pick a handful of guys out of this, uh, you know, the selection camp summer roster who I think probably could make the team. And obviously it starts with Denton Matejchuk, um and Kevin Korczynski and Gannon LaRock. I think all three defensemen could make Team Canada's team this year. That made no sense. Team Canada's team. Nice. <laughs> um, but and then as far as forwards, uh, Jaeger Furcus is somebody I would love to see. Oh. Um, you know, just having him being able to just do his little dangles and just snap the puck at Mach 7 would be just incredible <laughs> to watch. Um, Fraser Minton, uh, he got invited. Very excited for him, though, because uh, we actually do have an interview coming up with him. Um, we had said in the previous interview or our previous episode that we would have one with him this summer. So that is still coming. Uh, don't worry about that. But very excited for him because, you know, he he – goes off the board a little bit at 38 to Toronto. And, you know, he's a player who's just brilliant on the ice. And if he can bring that um, high uh, hockey IQ to the, uh, to the table, uh, he's going to have no problem making that team in a checking line or fourth line role. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. He's, he's probably that um, definitely fits that third, fourth line role um, perfectly. So, um, yeah, and you can see what you know, see guys look like Ridley Gregg did. Um, yep. yeah, exactly. I can see him being that type of player, um, yep. for Canada this year if he does, in fact, make the team. Yeah, and then the only other player that I have hopes for, um, is Reed Schaefer. I actually really wonder about Reed Schaefer making the team because of his size, right? Mm. I mean, they Will Cooley was just on the team, and Will Cooley is 6'4, 215. So, Reach Shaper 6'3, 213. So yeah. he's a big kid too. Um, Canada, Hockey Canada obviously has a history of picking big guys, um, you know, to fill out those bottom six roles. So to have a player like Schaefer who plays a, a pretty mean game, um, he's, he is a modern day power forward. And of course, he went off the board at 32nd overall there at Edmonton, which shocked a yeah, lot of people. Definitely, yeah. Um, he's definitely going to make a name for himself. And then, you know, Matthew Savoy. Um, I know he's not attending the summer camp, but if he can, you know, have another solid season like he's had already um, last year, I think Savoy really will be a player that could be relied upon this year. Yeah, I agree with that too. Um, he, like I say, if he if he can uh, force his way onto the team like he wasn't um, there before, but I, I think he definitely has a chance um, to be there. But like I said, Canada just has so much to choose from every time, and you think it's like. Yeah why wasn't this guy on the team why wasn't that guy on the team um it's it's like it's so hard because they they could really fill two teams and they both be competitive so (laughs) that's just it too right like they could have a team canada red and a team canada black and they they would just still be there'd still be players left over to make another team yeah it's it's pretty crazy to see uh you know what they've been able to produce but not even just that like this year alone, like 
we're talking about we talked about the draft and how loaded the draft is this year with WHL talent too. Like it's it's exciting. Yeah, like I said, that this 2023 draft is just gonna be so so um exciting to cover and uh and to go through all these guys because the first round is just gonna be filled with uh you know top six type forward talent. I mean defensemen not as strong, but yeah. it's very forward heavy that are gonna be really guys that you're gonna see in the NHL as top six um players. So and that's pretty amazing to think um for one draft year. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. Uh, it's probably the most, it's going to be the most loaded draft since like 05, I, I think they're saying, or 03. It, I think yeah. so, yeah. Like, it's been a while since it's been this heavy um, and full of talent, which is why a number of teams are tanking for top five picks. <laughs> um, but let's move things along, Matthew. Uh, let's talk about uh, a, a player we actually had a little bit of a chat about earlier. Uh, let's talk about Jordan Eberly on season two, episode one of The Bus Ride. So Jordan Eberle played uh, about four or five seasons with the Regina Pats. Um, And of course, everybody knows Jordan Eberle for that insane goal that he got against Russia in the world juniors, where like we talked about earlier, Matthew broke it down. He did the toe drag and backhanded it home, tied the game up. Canada goes on to win gold. It was, I remember being like 13 years old and just screaming. It was nuts. (laughs) <laughs> but Jordan Everly before that too was a, was actually a very very good hockey player even before that and with Regina you know in his first year with the Regina Pats he had 55 points as a rookie followed by a 75 point season a 74 point season and then 106 points um that 106 points of course is one of the higher totals of the Regina Pats in the last uh, 20 years but well, I guess it's more the last decade, but yeah. you know, 50 goals, of course, 56 assists, 106 points in his final season. Um, you know, and his NHL roots were okay. He, he did fairly well in Edmonton. Uh, he of course was a first round 22nd overall pick, but before we jump into his NHL days, uh, do you remember Jordan Everly as a Regina Pat and him coming to Vancouver to play against the giants? Like do, what do you remember about Everly as a WHL player? I actually, honestly, I don't really remember a lot. Um, you know, it's it's from the 2000, 2006, 2010. I'm trying to think of what the um, the Giants were at that time. I'm trying. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm off the top of my head. I'm not sure of what that team looked like. Um, but yeah, I I know I know we ha- I kind of remember that 2009-10 season though uh, when he scored yeah. those 106 points. Um, and I know he played like, well, he went to the Springfield Falcons after that. He actually did two years, um, between the AHL at the end of the season and stuff, but I kind of remember him in WHL around that time. Um, mm-hmm. I can't say before that, if he was, I have to rack my brain, go back in time a bit, but, uh, that time. Yeah. I think that the 2010 season is probably the one I kind of remember the most. Yeah, that's about the same for me, too. Like, I know, um, I knew of him, of course, uh, you know, when he was named to the team in 09, to the to Canada's World Junior team in 09, I knew of him. And then when he was, of course, you know, he scored the goal, uh, that just boosted his Google searches. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, you know, everybody knew who he was after that. And uh, that that's kind of what 
is cool about the World Juniors, those moments, right? Mason McTavish will forever be known for for what he's done. Um, and Jordan Eberle is forever known for for that tying goal against Russia. But that season, yeah, I, I do remember it a little bit because uh, Jordan Wheel was on that team as well. And they were just, those two were just incredible as a duo. I mean, I think they both notched 100 points um, despite Eberle missing like 20 some odd games because he went to, the AHL for a bit. And then of course he missed about six or seven games to the world juniors. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I, you got to bring the cobwebs out a little bit there to look back at those ones. But if you, if you actually look, Vancouver had Brendan Gallagher, yeah, I was just Cunningham. Yeah. yeah. And I remember back, I remember CJ stretch playing for the Camelot Blazers. Um, I remember Shane Harper who played for the Everett Silvertips. Actually. I remember Kyle beach who played for Spokane, Cody Eakin, Okay, now I'm starting to remember all these guys. Lyndon Vay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm starting because Kevin Connaughton was on. Kevin Connaughton. um, Lance Boma. Yeah, Tyler Johnson too. Ryan Johansson. Like, okay, now I'm starting to remember. I'm sure sure there was a lot of listeners going, what the heck? (laughs) You guys not remember the season. Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Like, wow, that was actually a pretty loaded season. Nino Niederreiter. Yeah, I remember. Well, I remember Kevin Connaughton because well, he was a Canucks draft pick, and he was at that time he was still a Canucks. Uh, he was still a Canuck um, property. So because oh, yeah. uh, he played in the AHL the year after that, and that's when he got traded. Um, and yeah, something I don't want to remember because that deal was horrible. <laughs> oh, what was that deal? It, it was, was oh. the Derek Roy. Oh yeah, nothing for the Canucks. So yeah, you know. <laughs> You know, you want to know one of the worst trades that I think the Blazers have ever made. And I'm going to say this, and I know people might be mad, but they traded Jaden Halbaguaches and the, and, and the pick that would have been Jet Wu to, um, to, to Moose Jaw for Joel Edmondson back in 2012. And like, don't get me wrong, Joel Edmondson is great. He went on to win a Stanley Cup with St. Louis. He brought the cup back to Camels. I mean, that's, that's awesome. But <laughs> The Blazers thought that they were this team and they were like, oh, we need to have this big defensive defenseman. And they go out and they spend a bag on him. Well, that turned out to not go anywhere. He played 30 games with the Blazers and then was done. And he went off to the NHL. <laughs> so that was one of the worst trades I think the Blazers have ever made in, in the last like 15, 20 years. And you, you bringing up the Derek Roy and just the Kevin Connaughton thing made me think about it because I don't know why. It just made me think about that trade. <laughs> we were and looking at all these old days so i was like hmm. no Connaughton <laughs> didn't turn into a superstar but uh you know he's still in the nhl right now and playing yeah. very sparingly but i uh, still carved out a pretty good nhl career and the canucks lost him who knows what he could have done in vancouver you never know like yeah. <laughs> but yeah yeah i, I mean Connaughton was good. I mean, that Vancouver Giants team was good, though, because I remember Craig Cunningham. I remember Brendan Gallagher. I remember, I actually remember that team. Wow. Yeah. It's weird yeah. to look back on. Because he only played, Kanan only played one year in the WHL, um, coming out from Western Michigan. Uh, so I was going to say, he was so. a college kid prior to that, wasn't he? Yeah. And they caught yeah. it because he had, they had, uh, the Giants had his rights and the Canucks um, uh, convinced him to, go from university to the WHL. I, I, I do remember that clearly. So, see, that's funny how you have to go back. And I, 
you gotta scratch the cobwebs a little bit in order to get your memories back up that's, yeah, that's yeah. what i do sometimes um just to to bang the drum a little bit more um i found the press release about the edmondson deal so the blazers traded uh a fourth round you know, they traded tyler bell 15 year old prospect Jaden helped watches who ended up going on pretty sure he's actually a san jose sharks prospect right now you can look that up and a first round pick in 2015 which ended up being jet woo for joel edmondson and then craig bonner had the audacity to say that he's a big physical two-way defenseman who's going to make us a very hard team to play against and the addition comes at a price but we feel he'll solidify our defense for years to come what what <laughs> years to come he was gone at the end of the season <laughs> so yeah that's my beef with that i remember being like 12 though or i wasn't 12 i was like 15 when that trade happened and i was actually excited i was like oh sweet i like this guy he's a st louis blues prospect he's big and then i was like oh and then i realized you know later on you, you traded some pretty good prospects for him because uh, yeah i mean and jet Wu, he's been an interesting case hey he's he has been um well like I've said a few times on uh, a few times on, pro- on prospect corner and then articles where, you know, he, he kind of, he looked like he was turning a corner with playing with Jack Rathbone there. And then uh, kind of this past season um, ended the season as a winger on the fourth line in the playoffs. So it's like, I'm hoping they said that he still sees him as a defenseman, which I hope he kind of uh, looks better this season and then maybe even get some call-ups and I got some beef. Um, I got some, some comments for that uh, saying that he should get some NHL time, but I'm like, I'm not saying he should get NHL time just for the sake of it. If he earns it, he has to earn it, but I think it'd be beneficial if he does get some time in the NHL to see where he's at. But um, I'm hoping he kind of has a good, good bounce back season from last year. Yeah. It's weird because he's like, he didn't even like, he didn't even after his draft he didn't even put up like bad numbers like he didn't disintegrate at all like he put up 66 points and then 46 points in a shortened season like, yeah i still have some hope good. that he'll he'll turn into a, a pretty good nhl defenseman he i think he will has he uh yeah he's a he's six feet 205 pounds jesus he's yeah he doesn't kid. he's not afraid of hitting either no, he's a he's a pretty <laughs> built kid i mean yeah he could he could definitely mold his game around becoming like a physical style defender if that's what he has to do. But I've got hopes for him. I mean, he was also physical in the WHL though. I mean, 88 penalty minutes and 70. So yeah. Yeah. He was a physical guy then too. I mean, yeah. All right. Let's get back on track. We were were talking about Jordan Eberle and we went down an absolute (laughs) rabbit hole. Um, You know, but to get back on track with Eberly, um, you know, I think his best days definitely were when he was in Edmonton. I mean, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, the Islanders deal kind of, I don't know. It kind of, I would say it derailed him a little bit because I think if he was still with Edmonton, he'd be a very key component to them. And, like, he would be that player that could be relied upon in playoff times. That, so, you know, you have your McDavid and you have your dry style, but then you have your Eberly. You don't have to, you know, rely on McDavid and Drysaddle. I mean, they've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Vander Kane, et cetera, but Zach Hyman. But yeah. you know what I mean? I think Everly could have been that type of clutch player. There we go. That's kind of what I was looking for. So, yeah. But, and the, what they got yeah. for him, Ryan Strom, I mean, he's turned into a pretty good, he's turned pretty good with the Rangers. And then now he's with the Ducks. But uh, yeah. 
yeah, I don't know. I, I think at the time the deal was like, eh, it, it well, really. Well, I think at the time the deal had to happen. Did, it, was it not a salary cap issue? I, I can't think remember. It was something like that. Yeah. Yeah. They had to make the deal um, because that probably would have, and I might be just be literally speaking out of nowhere, but that might have been the season that McDavid needed his extension because his ELC might have been up. That sounds right. Because it's 2017-18 when he went to the Islanders. So they, they probably went, well, shit, we have to pay McJesus because he's literally <laughs> Jesus on ice. And yeah, because his entry level would have been done at the end of the 2018 season. Yeah, so that's probably what had to have happened. Uh, just speculation. I mean, somebody can fact check me, obviously. I'll have somebody come into my DMs. You're an idiot. For some reason, oh. I remember that too. Yeah, I think it, I think it is like I just had a weird feeling that's what it was. But even looking back, like you look at Everly, look at that 2020 playoff road, um, playoff year. He had 14 points in 22 games, and then 11 points in 19 games. He was pretty yeah. good in the playoffs. Pretty good in good. playoffs, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I mean. He would have been Mr. Clutch, I think, for them. Um, now he's in Seattle, so and he didn't even have a bad year this year. 44 points. So yeah, it was one of their best. Uh, I think it was a second leading scorer behind uh, McCann. Um, has Seattle named their captain yet? Uh, because it was Geo, then they traded him. They haven't named a captain yet, no. I wonder if they'll name him. I wonder, I wonder if they'll name Emberly captain. Yeah, that I mean, of all the people that are on, I, I mean, the only other guy I could think maybe named captain is like a guy like, uh, uh, what was it? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking he may be it. Like I said, the only other guy is maybe Brandon Tanev. Yeah, his his uh, emotional type, uh, but um, Tanev would be a good captain. Yeah, or I think Eberle like, would be would yeah. I mean, they I forgot that they got Burakovsky this year too, but I don't think they'd. Or Adam Larson too. maybe. Yeah, Adam. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Yeah, Adam Larson, like Jordan Eberle, Jaden Schwartz, or Brandon Tanev would definitely be a good suitable captain. Yeah. I think Seattle at, would love Brandon Tanev, though, as, as the captain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Imagine that guy coming in the room trying to make you understand where you went wrong, screaming at you. <laughs> um, just looking into Jordan Everly a little bit while we do this. Uh, he was a seventh round, 126th overall pick by Regina in the Bantam draft. Oh. And now he's got his number retired by the Pats. Yeah, that's... So for all of you, any of you young kids that are listening, or you've anybody that's even been through a draft and you, you're undrafted, just think about that. You, you, you think about whether you're undrafted, you're drafted late. I mean, those types of things happen. There are a number, and I mean thousands probably, of players in the first round of a WHL bank draft who've gone on to not make the NHL. Yeah. So, or gone on to not even make the WHL team. So, you know, drafts are sure they're important, but it's not always where the best prospects lay. And, you know, you find out during the first rounds, second rounds that sometimes those players are not of that caliber. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's the thing. Like it doesn't matter where you get drafted. It doesn't matter in any league. No, You can end up being in the NHL at some point. Yep. It's just, it's all, it's all about the work that you put in and your development. If you're 
if you're, you know, strict to wanting to develop your game and you want to become better every single day, you'll succeed. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Well, that's there's many examples of it. So, (laughs) but yeah, I think like, you know, overall he had like, I mean, Eberle's, uh, his numbers retired by Regina. So he's, you know, he's a staple there. He's a cult player there. But I mean, overall, he's probably a top 100 WHL player of all time, too. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Yeah, I and like in the NHL, like I, I, I remember him mostly because he always burned the Canucks because I know his his totals with against any team. I think he's one of the highest goal totals there against the Canucks. So wow, <laughs> that's actually crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, I've I've he's probably one of the bigger Canuck killers apart from uh, Tyler Toffoli. Tyler Toffoli was remarkable out there. I mean, he's that dude knows how to snipe a puck. Holy cow! Yeah, I'm just looking up. I just want to, if just for anyone that's what listening that's a Canuck fan, uh, here is the totals. What he used? He usually so in his career against. I'm just pulling it up here overall in his career. So he has. So he has 22 goals against the Canucks, 22 goals in 45 games. Wow. <laughs> the most of any team except the Colorado Avalanche or the next one. And I have 20, but yeah, 22 goals in 45 games. <laughs> wow. Good yeah. for him. Good for a goal usually when he plays against the Canucks. Yeah, and so Jordan Eberle is listed as uh, the 16th best player of all time in WHL history. Yeah, believe it. So his totals, he collected um, 310 points, 155 goals, 155 assists, and 254 games. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty, those are pretty good stats. Holy cow. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah. I didn't realize he played for his hometown team too, because he born Mm -hmm. in Regina. So, yeah, yeah, scored that winning goal uh, or the game tying goal, five point four seconds left before scoring the winner in the shootout. That's right, he did score the the shootout winner. I remember that too. Yeah, Yeah, that I do remember that. Yeah, I mean, what a career he's had. Uh, He's a player that I definitely have been wanting to uh, uh, use as an example here on Bus Ride. Uh, just to take a dive into his career, because he's one of the more uh, accomplished players from the WHL in the last uh, decade, for sure. Yeah. Um, so that does it for the bus ride for that for this season, or this season, this uh, episode. Um, of course, if you guys have any suggestions, you can uh, tweet us or comment on Instagram. Uh, let us know anywhere on social media. Uh, we're glad we'll gladly look into players. Uh, remember, if you're if you're new here, of course, uh, the bus ride is a weekly. Uh, series that we do where we just take a look at a former WHL player's statistics and where they've gone on in their life, whether they are a former NHL player or maybe they never made the NHL at all and they were considered a bust or, you know, whatever could have happened. Um, We just take a look back at different WHL players from all time and uh, do a little dive into their careers and what they were able to accomplish. Um, Transitioning, though, into some WHL news here before we uh, finish off this episode. Um, there's been a lot of news over the last month, I guess you could say. So I've got about a handful of notes here that we can go through. Um, and Matthew's got some notes there too. So we'll just kind of 
skim through some news around the league. Uh, so the Portland Winterhawks recently acquired uh, Diego Butazoni from the Medicine Hat Tigers. Butazoni is a highly rated prospect uh, for this next coming draft. His cousin, uh, he's 15 actually, so I think he's for the next year's draft, 2024. Yeah. Yeah, he's 2024. Uh, his cousin is actually uh, Zach Benson. So there's a cool <laughs> little fact. Um, so, yeah, so that's a really good pickup for them. I mean, if the Winterhawks can sign him and confirm that he wants to, uh, you know, go the WHL route because his brother is currently playing for Clarkson University in the NCAA. So they'll have to pry him out of there. But I think they've got that set up pretty well. I mean, you don't go and make a trade for a player if you haven't already spoken to them. Yeah. So I think Portland's kind of got something going on there. We'll see. Uh, speaking of the Portland Winterhawks, um, co-captain Tyson Kozak signed his entry-level contract with the Buffalo Sabres. So congratulations to Tyson. Um, and keeping on topic of the U.S. division for right now, uh, the Tri-City Americans have hired uh, former WHL and NHL uh, player Jody Hull and TJ Miller as associate coaches. And as well as the Tri-City Americans acquired the rights to Chicago Blackhawks prospect Jalen Lipen from the oh yeah from the Edmonton Oil Kings in exchange for Bryson Andrag and Rhett Melnick so a little I mean a couple moves um it really seems like and we talked about this on a couple episodes a couple months ago uh the American teams just really seem to be wanting to bolster their rosters to compete against compete against the west yeah um well compete against the BC division is what I should say um you see what seattle's done i mean brad lambert oh my goodness and then just you know kevin korchinski's already there we talked about scott ratzlaff tom smellich we've talked about all these players that seattle's gone out and acquired um tri-city's going out here and making deals to acquire players it's it's exciting to watch yeah like you say it's all these uh these teams bolstering their rosters and it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting season to watch in WHL this year. So um, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be fun. Yeah. And so the Regina Pats signed uh, Washington Capitals prospect, uh, Alexander Sizdaliev to a WHL standard player agreement. Um, I mentioned that prior, but he was their import pick. Uh, so that's a big pickup for them. Um, he can really play the game. He yeah. was very solid in Sweden this past year. So if he can, uh, I think he's really going to be like a, like a Jakob Demick type player. He's just mm-hmm. going to take the WHL by storm. Yeah, I agree. The Camelot Blazers named Don Hay, the club's new associate coach. So congratulations to Don as he returns to the Blazers. Um, I know that there was some speculation because it's, it's, I mean, it's a good thing that they've brought, brought Hay back on board because he has those four, I believe he's got four Memorial Cups under his belt. So he's got the experience. Uh, he's won the Memorial Cup with Camelot before when they last won it. So for the Blazers to, you know, host the Memorial Cup this year, uh, I think it was a good move and probably more of a, more of a marketing move uh, to bring, um, you know, bring a hometown guy like Hay and what his you know accomplishments are to the organization again. Yeah. So that, I think that's, it's exciting. Um, I'm excited to see him behind the bench again and see what he can do. Um, and of, of course, like I had mentioned there with him winning the Memorial Cups, I think that's just the biggest reason why they've uh, brought him back. 
Yeah. And I, I love, I loved him as a coach in Vancouver here too. So yeah. Um, yeah, he, he's a great, great to pick up, um, behind the bench for sure. Well, he's got that winning mentality, that winning culture. And then just, I mean, as I said, he's got the, he's got the brass to, to show it. Um, he's got yeah. multiple rings. He's the guy that can get the job done. And with the Blazers, you know, falling short, I guess, last year in, in, in their eyes, uh, I thought they did great, but in their eyes, they fell a bit short of what their accomplishments were. This might put them over the edge. And, you know, you get that coach who can push you a little bit extra. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think he's going to be a really good, uh, really good for this year. Uh, for sure. Uh, a couple more pieces of news here before we wrap up the first episode. Um, Medicine Hat Tigers broadcaster uh, Bob Ridley has officially announced his retirement. So the legendary broadcaster who has spent the last, uh, I do believe it's five decades announcing Tigers games uh, has announced his retirement. So that's a pretty big one. I mean, we've seen a couple big um, com- uh, hold up. Let me rephrase that. We've seen some, uh, some very well-known commentators over the last couple of years retire. Of course, Rick Generant is another one, Buffalo Sabres. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, that's crazy to me. When you see these guys who have been around for like calling games for like 30 to 50 years, holy cow. That's insane. Yeah, it, like, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> I could, like, I mean, I could imagine being in hockey till I'm, I'm 80, sure, but <laughs> that's a lot. Uh, but congratulations on just what I mean, a legendary career. Uh, you're, I mean, Ridley goes down in history as probably one of the greatest WHL and junior hockey broadcasters of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one more piece of news before I pass it off to Matthew, just to talk a little bit about Kevin Korczynski and some news about him. Uh, former WHL defenseman, uh, former Canlis Blazers defenseman, actually, too, uh, Keaton Ellerby is joining the Prince Albert Raiders following a 14-year professional career that saw him play in the NHL and in the KHL. So congratulations to Ellerby. Uh, really weird because I'm just getting older. And <laughs> I just I remember watching him play for the Blazers. I remember the Blazers trading to get him, watching him grow up, watching yeah. him get drafted by Florida. And, like, I – ew crazy so to see him as a coach is awesome um hopefully maybe we get the chance to speak to him this season uh that would be a uh, such a privilege to be able to knock that off the off the board uh he's definitely a player i'd love to speak to because if you know he's got a he's got a long career of professional hockey playing overseas and a couple stints in the nhl yeah i remember LRB being um at that time when he was in the whl and then moving up to the nhl for he didn't hit as a big time NHL defenseman like he was supposed to be, but um, still 14 year professional career is pretty good um, wherever uh, playing hockey. So um, congratulations to him, you know, moving into the coaching um, realm and we'll see what he can do in Prince Albert because that's going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's always nice to see, you know, WHL alumni get jobs back in the WHL. Yeah. So they're done their career. Yeah, and that that's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what what he can do there, uh, for sure. All right, um, so Kevin Korczynski, um, drafted by the Chicago Blackhawks and uh, signed his entry level deal with the Blackhawks uh, recently here, and uh, of course Seattle Thunderbirds defenseman uh, had a heck of a season this past year. Was rated to go high in the draft, ended up going high in the draft. And uh, and he's now going to start his, well, probably won't start his career with the Blackhawks for a while, but he's got his entry-level deal, and uh, we'll see what he can do in Seattle this year because 
Um, Seattle's going to be a pretty good team um, this season. So um, they were good last season. So it yep. should, and they could actually potentially be in the running to get into the Memorial Cup. We never uh, know. We'll oh, see. absolutely. Absolutely. So, and Tor- um, Korczynski is going to be a huge part of that. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. Korczynski is really going to have an, I think he's going to have an unreal season this year. Um, we're probably looking at, you know, Drew Doughty esque like points where he's going to get mm-hmm. 70 plus points this season and he's just going to blow the league apart. Uh, I'm really excited to see what he can do, what Seattle can do. Uh, on next week's episode, we will have a full predictions. WHL camps get underway in the next coming weeks. So we will have a full prediction of uh, how we see this WHL season playing out. And then you guys can call us out at the end of the season when we're wrong. So that's, <laughs> that's the best part about it. Uh, with the predictions, we're going to talk about uh, who we see being the top teams in each division and then top scorers, of course. Um, who you can already tell who I'm going to pick, Logan Sankovan. Um, <laughs> so that's coming next week, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here on Season 2, Episode 1 of Western Centric. We're excited to be back. We're excited to get going some more. Uh, we'll see you guys all next week.